Welcome to the Edge of the Sticker podcast with Brad and Bobby Frank. Hi, Bob. Hey, Brad. How are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm pretty good. Just looking forward to uh, what could be an interesting, interesting uh, get together with an old friend who I haven't seen for decades and decades and decades. You and this guy are going to hopefully be able to um, reminisce about the the times you had when you were much younger. Yes, I'm sure of that. And the question is whether or not we'll have anything else to talk about that's more current than uh, reenacting Batman episodes in our backyard <laughs> when we were five years old. <laughs> now, we could do that, too. That would make for a fun afternoon. <laughs> it would. But it, it, it does bring to bear the idea that, you know, we, we hold on to these things that have happened to us and and they're frozen in time. They are you know, that's current. And if, if the only interaction that you've had with somebody was when you were three to six years old, and those are your memories of him, I mean, it's really hard to project what the path that he took and, and equally difficult for him to imagine that which you've taken. Um, and so you, you would approach and you're, you know, 50 years later, and here you are. Um, I was I was talking to somebody today who was having some anxiety about stuff that happened 45 years ago. And it, it was twofold. One was, how is it that that happened then? And then also, what would happen if he met the people who were responsible for, for being cruel to him today? And uh, one of the interesting things that, that we were talking about was the assumption that you make that those people would still be that way now. So if they were immature and bullying, if they were um, demeaning, uh, if they were just kind of cruel, then you kind of assume, well, they're going to always be that way. But you hope that, I mean, I hope I'm not judged by my 20-year-old self as the, as the gold standard or the high watermark of my life and that that's going to define everything about me. Um, you know, we go through different experiences, we, we mature, we have epiphanies, and ideally we, we come to realize the things that make sense to change and the things that make sense to keep, and, and hopefully we get rid of the stuff that would have hurt other people. But, you know, in, the, in our anxious moments and as we're thinking about that stuff, um, we don't necessarily give the benefit of the doubt that other people would have evolved in a similar way that we have. Yeah. So when you meet up with people that you knew in high school, you're you're looking at them uh, with those memories in mind, and they're probably seeing you as they saw you back in whatever grade it was that you last had a real relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to separate that or to have a, a current relationship um, that isn't rooted in just those memories. So, I mean, I've got some friends who I've, I've been close with since I was six years old and, uh, 
Yeah. Part of us still probably looks at the other and treats the other as if we're still six years old, mm. you know? Yeah. So it, certainly we, we talk about adult current things, but there's always, uh, there's always something that comes up that is from 1977. <laughs> 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 so either it keeps you young or it, it, it keeps you from sort of being your your current self with that yeah. person. Yeah. You know? So the authentic self, the adult self or the one that uh, uh that you've turned into still gets clouded by who you were and those memories and the impressions of of who you were. Well, and you have it uh, even more so because you still live where we lived, you yeah. know. So that you're you're there are there are actual places that when you were six still hold meaning that are still around. There are people that you were interacting with who are still there with you. Um, you know, I've been in Houston for I guess thirty years now, which is the longest place I've ever lived. Um, so I can do, I can go back that far and, and maybe see and, and experience situations or venues or, or people, yeah. but yeah, you go back to, to six and yeah. there's a lot of growth between like six and 30 <laughs> and yet <laughs> some of that may get ignored or some of the, the, um, just the things that, that you see on a daily basis, they still harken back to that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that my wife works at the school where we both went, that that part of my life is still very present. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and that we're going to go in and uh, lead a class at that very school in a couple of weeks is a little bit odd, too, to be on the other side of the desk at university school. That, that I have to admit is something that, um, I've thought about, uh, being on the other side of the desk. Cause that was so many years ago, but even when I walk in the building now, you know, the memories flood back and, uh, um, to go as, as a different person, not as the, um, not as the student, but in this, you know, for this very brief one evening class as the teacher, that's a, that's a really weird thing it i'm looking forward thing. to it but it yeah. it's a completely different role yeah absolutely now and i've had that a few times there where i've done things at the school that i uh, have been on the other side of the desk and it's it's weird it's definitely weird because you you know in your memory you don't picture yourself there no. <laughs> that's that's not where you were no. and if you were you're going to get graded. Yeah. There were implications. You know, the worst thing that can happen with us is that people will come to this class and they'll leave and they'll think, well, they're still the same guys they were back in high school. <laughs> right. Or that was a waste of two hours. <laughs> I don't think either of those will uh, are the likely outcome, but it's possible. It could That's happen. where the anxiety is though, right? That we haven't made any progress from then. And that 
everyone around us moved on and we stayed firmly fixed in that persona that was, you know, 1982 or 1981. Yeah, there's a risk. That's a, it's a very, uh, it's a possibility. I think it's unlikely, but it is possible. So what did you, uh, what did you tell this person that you were talking to about how to manage that anxiety and how to kind of move past that? Well, we talked about bringing the focus back to the moment and recognizing that the person that they were 45 years ago is, is very different. The accomplishments that they've been able to achieve over the course of the last four and a half decades, um, just sort of where they are in their life versus how they view themselves when they think of themselves back 45 years ago. Uh, and if they can, if they can stay focused there, there, that's the counter to the, to the anxiety is back then that may have been true, but look at what I've been able to do to not only overcome it, but to, to thrive and to create a life that I'm comfortable and happy with and have relationships that I'm pleased with. And, you know, if you focus on that stuff, then the anxiety from 45 years ago really doesn't have a chance. Um, and, and, but we did also talk specifically about, you know, the, the negative feelings that they still have about the people who were treating them that way. And the expectation that, you know, that they're still the same, that, you know, well, if they were, if they were mean, then they're mean now. If they were assholes, then they're assholes now. And I, I tend to take a, just a different viewpoint on that. And maybe this is the rose-colored glasses or the the optimism that, that I think I have most of the time. And that's when people have better information, they make better decisions. So maybe these people got better information. Maybe if you were to meet them today, they'd be genuinely apologetic, or maybe they don't even remember. And, you know, that's sort of a, a big part of it is each of us takes these experiences individually and we assign value to them. And if you assign a ton of value to something that's happened and the person who's in the seat right next to you is not even paying attention to it, fast forward a day or, or 45 years, and they may not even remember it happened, even though you're just completely overwhelmed by it. So to remember that we're not looking for other people's validation, either for the horribleness or the wonderfulness of something that's occurring. We just need to have our own expectations and our own assessment. Um, and the reality is that's all we can control. So we don't know what they were thinking. We don't know what their motivations were. We don't know why they did what they did. All we know is that we had a reaction so how do we manage our reactions? Because that's what we're um, that's what we're allowed to do. How do you have that three hundred sixty degree perspective um, to sort of look at it in the context of maybe what was the other person thinking? Uh, was there an intentional slight? Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it is that you've held on to to try and boil it down and and say, well, maybe that wasn't quite as big a deal as I made it out to be and why have I held on to it for, for so long? And if, if we were able to just ask, you know, mm -hmm. just ask, Hey, um, this was my experience. What, 
what is it that was going on? A lot of that gets solved really, really quickly. But, you know, you're in that, this catch 22, if you feel like you've been slighted or you feel like, or you've been offended, then you are waiting for the other person to acknowledge and then apologize rather than you be the one who takes the, the initiative to say, I'm, I'm feeling something. I want to get to the bottom of it. Can you help me? Because, you know, if they really are, if they really are doing something that's, that's disrespectful toward you, wouldn't they just do it again when you made the, made the request? I mean, that's the fear. Um, because that makes you vulnerable twice, you know, one, one time bad shame on you, two times bad shame on me. Um, okay. That makes sense. But it also is a really major obstacle to getting rid of negative feelings fast. It's, it's part of the, it's part of the emotional loan program that so many yes. of us subscribe yeah. to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We all got pre-approved for that one, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it also kind of demonstrates how quick we are to write people off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everyone's yeah. got a pretty short, a short amount of uh, willingness to put themselves out there too. So yeah. one, one slight could be the end of, you know, that relationship. Right. And if that's how we're judged, right, we would feel like we were being given, we weren't given an opportunity to defend ourselves or to be, yeah. Um, be like, wait, well, I didn't yeah, mean that. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we don't necessarily reciprocate with the, the way that we wish we were treated. Yeah. 360 degree perspective. It's hard to achieve that. But if you do it, I I think things are, things work out better, but we're, we're creatures of habit too. You know, we make snap decisions because it's, it's easier. It's in some ways it's more efficient. It allows us to get on to whatever the next choice we have to make is, or the next um, way we have to use our energy and if you put too much time and effort into something that uh, that you could get through with the shorthand way, then what are you backing up on the on the runway that isn't going to be able to get the amount of time and attention that it potentially needs? Um, so I, I don't think it's a necessarily a malevolent outlook that we have. I think it it may in some ways just be a lazy or an efficient one or a means of trying to be efficient. But the cost to that is, you know, there's some, there's some false positives there. We make assumptions about people about, you know, what they're trying to do that aren't really consistent with what their intentions are, but we don't give ourselves the, the bandwidth to explore. And we project. The the psychobabble word is projective identification. You, You have a conversation with somebody in your head the conversation never happens, but it's in your head. And then you respond to that person as if that conversation actually had happened. And so they're getting blindsided from the standpoint of not being able to contribute to the conversation, the initial conversation, and instead getting a reaction that may seem 
out of left field makes perfect sense to you because you know you already had this conversation in your head and you've made the attributions but uh that that does not usually bode well in relationships when you react to somebody based on the fantasy that you've created of that person instead of the reality of who the person is then you're not having a a very authentic relationship 